0: My name is Kurt Lawson and I serve as the Do Good Director here at The Bridge as of May of this year. And I'm really excited to be here and talk to you guys this morning and kick off our Ghost Stories series. How many of you guys like uh, scary stories, haunted houses, anybody? Scary movies? Yeah, you're the weird people in the room, right? There's something wrong with you. I, I remember my first experience. I remember my first experience with, with scary stories was this book right here. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Anybody ever read it? Good, this isn't a book recommendation, don't read it, please, all right? But I remember as a kid, this book came out in 1986. I was born in 1982, so I don't think I was reading it at four. If not, I mean, if I was, that explains a lot about me, but um, I, I can remember sitting outside with my neighbors, my brothers and I, we'd, we'd sit outside with our neighbors, um, and, and read these stories in the dark with a flashlight, and I'd get so scared, right? I'd go inside and turn on all the lights. I'd, I'd run to the rest uh, to, to the bathrooms, and, and I'm looking behind all the shower curtains because that's where they're hiding, right? You got to check behind the shower curtains. I'm opening all the closet doors. I'm locking every window. I'm locking the doors. I was scared to death by this book. I can remember that as a kid, and as we started reading it more, you know, it kind of wore off a little bit, you weren't as scared, and then this happened, more scary stories to tell in the dark, and I'm still in counseling for this one, uh, but, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't really like scary stories, and the good news is we're not telling any scary stories during ghost stories, um, we're actually going to take the next two weeks, and we're going to unpack the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, now if you're reading the, the King James Version, it's the Holy Ghost, right? Okay, And so we're going to spend the next two weeks and we're going to unpack the person of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I'm, a, I'm excited to do that with you guys. When Scott texted me, he was like, hey, you want to preach on October 20th? And I was like, yeah, man, I'll preach. You know, it's my first time preaching at the Sugarland campus. I'm excited about it. And then he's like, oh, yeah, it's our ghost story series. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, no big deal. You just give me the Holy Spirit to start off with. I get to go and explain God to everybody. That's awesome. And so... I'm going to need some help this morning, so let me start off with a word of prayer. God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity just to open your word. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you would teach us who you are. God, that you would show us who you are and how you want to work in our lives. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I was in college, I I remember a time where, where I got really confused about who the Holy Spirit was. I got involved with this ministry in college, and, and they started teaching some things that just didn't quite add up. They, didn't, they weren't quite in line with what I grew up being taught about the Holy Spirit. I grew up in church. I felt like I had a good grasp on the Bible. I felt like I had a good grasp on, on, on who the Holy Spirit was. But, but I got around these people, and they started teaching some stuff, and it didn't quite line up with what I had been taught, and I started to get kind of confused about it. I remember talking to my dad about it, and, and, and when we went off to college, my parents had actually started coming to the bridge. It wasn't called the bridge back then, but um, we, they, they started going there, and so my dad was like, well, why don't you email Scott and ask him? And I didn't know Scott, and he certainly didn't know me, uh, but I was like, you know, I need some answers to these questions. So I emailed Scott, and he probably doesn't even remember this, but I emailed him, and I, I had all these questions about the Holy Spirit and what his role is in our life, and and, and Scott emailed me back that day with just this de- these detailed biblical answers that really helped me just kind of get back on track with what I knew to be true about the Holy Spirit. And so what I thought would be cool is if I just read that email and then we close in prayer and I'm done, right? But I don't have that email account anymore. Uh, but, but what he taught me or what, what he emailed me that day Um, just kind of confirm what I already knew about the Holy Spirit. And the reason I share that story with you is because I think it's important that we understand what the Bible teaches. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says this. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord, our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of the law. You see, there's certain things about God that it says are secret that, that we will never know. And I don't know about you, but that kind of brings me some comfort. Because if me, I, I know me, and I'm not the most intelligent person in the world, right? And if I can figure out God, then what kind of a God is he? Like if I know everything there is to know about this big God, then how big is he? And so there's certain things about God that we'll never know. And I'm not going to stand up on stage and try to pretend to be the expert on the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to try to pretend and teach you everything there is about the Trinity, which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I'll leave that for Dr. Scott Rambo to explain to you. But, but what we do know is what Scripture has revealed to us. Because God speaks to us in His Word and He reveals to us things in His Word. And so we can know things for certain. And so today I want to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And the bottom line for the whole day is this. If you don't see the Holy Spirit as a person, then it's hard to have a personal relationship with him. And so that's why it's important that we talk about the Holy Spirit, that you have a good understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. Because if you don't see him as a person, it's hard to have a personal relationship with him. So who is the Holy Spirit? Answer number one he is a divine person in John chapter 14 Jesus is talking to his disciples so so let me let me set that up for you Jesus is he, he's talking to him right he spent the last almost three years doing life with these guys walking around with them going from place to region to region these guys have spent time with him they've seen him teach think about the things that these guys have witnessed right the 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 calming of the storms feeding 5,000, raising Lazarus from the dead, all the people that Jesus healed in front of them. Think about the things they had seen. Think about the, the stuff that's not even in the Bible, the nights that they spent with Jesus, the conversations that they must have had. They spent almost three years, they left everything to follow this guy and he's sitting down with them and he tells them, hey guys, I'm about to leave. I'm about to go to the cross and be crucified. And I want to tell you this. Look in John chapter 14, verse 16. This is what he tells them. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another. He will give you another helper who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. This word another that's used, I want to illustrate this for you. There's two words for another in the New Testament. One of them is like this. I have a hat here. Coach Strohs. Man, did y'all stay up and watch it? Yeah, if you didn't, you can leave. Uh, So I have a hat right here, right? Okay. And then I have another hat. Boo. That's okay. We beat them. All right. So this is a hat. This is another hat. That's one of the uses of the word another. That's not the word that Jesus uses right here. Okay, we can get rid of that one. All right. He uses this word. Here's a hat. Here's another hat. Just like it. Just like it. And that's the word that Jesus uses right here. He says, I will ask the Father that he will send you another helper. Jesus is saying, I'm going to ask God the Father to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he's not a cheap substitute. He's exactly like me. Same essence, same nature, same qualities, exactly like me. And we know that Jesus clearly claimed to be God all throughout the Scripture. Jesus clearly claimed to be God. And if that was true about Jesus, it's true about the Holy Spirit. He is divine. He is God. We see him all throughout the Scripture in Genesis 1, chapter 2. Or sorry, chapter 1, verse 2. It says this. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the Spirit of God, there he is, the Spirit of God before creation, he was there. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then down in verse 26 of the same chapter, God says this, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness, Who's he talking about? Let us. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three of them were there before creation was even here. From the beginning of time, all throughout the Old Testament, we see God the Father, prophecies about Jesus, the whole Old Testament point toward Jesus, and we see the presence of the Holy Spirit active all throughout the Old Testament. We get to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are about Jesus' life, we see God the Father all throughout it. We see the Holy Spirit active throughout it. From, from Acts to Revelation, we see the Holy Spirit really take presence in people's lives and in the expansion of the church. He's there. He's been there. He's divine. He is God. And then we see that he's a person. Look, at, look at, back at John chapter 14, verse 17 and 18. It says this. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Do you see how Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit? He doesn't say it. He doesn't say the ghost. He says he, he's a divine person. There's personal characteristics that describe the Holy Spirit all throughout Scripture. Just like us, the Holy Spirit has a mind. He has intelligence, right? He has emotions. He has desires. He has a will. Let's look at how he has a mind in Romans chapter 8. He has a mind. It says, in certain ways we are weak, but the Spirit is here to help us. For example, when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit prays for us in ways that cannot be put into words. All of our thoughts are known to God. He can understand, here it is, what is in the mind of the Spirit as the Spirit prays for God's people. What a cool thought, right? And I'm not going to get too much into this because that's for next week. Marshall Peterson will be speaking to you next week. I don't want to steal his thunder, right? It says that, that the Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't know what to pray. What a cool thought that is. God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't know what to pray. But it says he has a mind. He's able to think. These personal characteristics. Not only does he have a mind, but he has desires. He has a will. Let's look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It says, all spiritual gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the Holy Spirit. He decides who gets what and when. And this word decides here, it's, it's, it means that, that as he wills, as he desires, as he wants. The Bible teaches that when we say yes to Jesus, when we become a Christ follower, that we get gifts. We get spiritual gifts, it calls. And it's the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit that decides as he wants, as he chooses, he gives us gifts so that we can be most useful to God. And then lastly, he has emotion. He has emotion. The Holy Spirit has feelings. And I'm going to camp out on this one. I like this one right here. This is in uh, Ephesians 4.30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. I think about this verse, and, and it just, just screams intimacy, right? That, that there's this, this person of the Holy Spirit that's, that's God, and he identifies you as his own. He desires this intimate relationship with you. And and there's ways that we can act that actually grieve the Holy Spirit. And and all the parents in the room get this, right? You get this. I I have two kids. I have a seven-year-old son, Carter, and a 10-year-old daughter, Sophie, and they're amazing. I love them. They're awesome. They're awesome. I, I would do anything for them. And I love them simply for the fact that I identify them as my own. They're mine, right? They're my kids. I love them. It's not based on what they do. It's not based on what they've done. It's not based on how they perform. Simply because they're mine, I love them. And I would do anything for them. But sometimes, right, maybe not your kids, but sometimes my kids might do something that grieves me. Anybody relate to that? Sometimes they act in such a way, and not all the time. My kids are in here today. I want them to know this. Most of the time, they're awesome. But sometimes they act in a way that actually grieves me because I identify them as my own, and I love them so much. And when they act in a certain way, sometimes it can make me sad. My son, my son plays baseball and he was playing in this fall league um, in First Colony and uh, this Sunday league and he was, he was doing amazing. I'm I'm not going to sit up here and brag on my seven-year-old son, but he was doing awesome, right? He'd only got out one time in the whole league. It was like six or seven games into the season. He'd only gotten out one time and one one at bat that he got out. So he was doing Amazing. And, and we go on vacation for a week. We come back, and I don't know, I guess he was a little tired or just having a bad day or something. Or he's seven. You know, it happens. He's seven. He goes out there, and he, he, he just doesn't have a great day, right? Strikes out a few times. He's hanging his head. But his team won, so after the game, we were, we were still trying to pump him up. Like, hey, your team won, and he was a good sport. He, he, he did a good job being happy for his teammates. But you could tell he was kind of down at the way he played. And so we got home, and, and I was asking him, I just, I just said something about the game. I don't even remember what it was. And uh, I think it was like, you don't get dinner because you struck out. No, I'm just playing. Uh, but, but I said something about the game, and he lost it. And I, and I asked him for permission to tell this story. But he just lost it. Like he starts crying, and he starts saying, Dad, you're mad at me. Dad, you don't love me because of the way he performed in the game. And, and after I assured him, like, Carter, that's not true, like, we love you, it doesn't matter how you do in a baseball game, like, that doesn't change the way we feel about you. And so after we assured him that we still love him, he can have dinner, it's okay, I started thinking about that. And number one, like, I'm, tells you I'm a bad parent, right? Like, golly, man, my son thinks that his performance on a baseball field determines my love for him. But then number two, I started thinking like, how cool is it that, that my son cares what I feel? Even though he was wrong in this instance, right? I, I wasn't sad at the way he played. But how cool is it that he cares that he, he thought in his mind, he thought he grieved me and it hurt him. That verse that I just read to you said that the way we live can grieve the Holy Spirit, that can grieve God himself. I wonder if we believed that. I wonder if we woke up and and if we, we actually thought about that, would it change the way we live our life? Would it change some of the decisions that we make, knowing that God himself can be grieved by the choices that we make? I don't know. Maybe it would change the way that we live our lives. Maybe it would change the way that we think that we are grieving this divine person that is the Holy Spirit. So that's answer number one. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's a divine person. And answer number two is this. He's a powerful gift. He's a powerful gift. So um, Peter is preaching to these people. This is after Jesus had died, he was was buried, he he rose again, and he ascended to to heaven. And Peter is preaching to a large group of people, thousands of people, mostly a Jewish audience that he's preaching to. And he he looks at him and he tells him, Hey, this Jesus that you guys just crucified, he's the Lord. He is God. And these people, they came to, to see Jesus for who he really is. Their eyes were open to the truth of who Jesus is. And it says they were grieved at their heart. They were grieved in their hearts. They recognized their wrong. And they asked Peter, they're like, hey, what do we do? And in Acts 2.38, he answers that question. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now let me unpack this for you. When you come to a place in your life where you realize who Jesus is, when you come to the place in your life where you understand the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, that he who knew no sin, Jesus, who never sinned, Yet he became sin on the cross. He took on our sin on the cross. The payment for our sin fell on him so that we could be made right with God. When you come to understand that, when you come to to realize that, you get to a point like this audience that, that Peter was talking to and you're grieved at the heart because of the way you've lived your life because of the sin, the wrong in your life. And you come to a place and you ask, what should I do? And the answer is the same for you. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. This word repent is this idea. People are afraid of this word. I don't know why. It's an awesome word. It means you're going one direction. You're living life how you want to live life. You're God of your own life. And you see the sin in your life. You see the wrong in your life. And you turn from your sin and you follow Jesus. That's repent. You turn from it. You have a change of mind. You have a change of direction. And you turn to follow Jesus. And he says, and be baptized. And he is talking about water baptism here. Not that water baptism saves you. That's not what I'm saying. But back then, that was just, that was what it was. Like, it was repent, be baptized. They went together. That's what they did. Like it wasn't like, all right, I'm I'm trusting in Jesus and next baptism party, I'm signing up for it, which is cool. That's just the way we do it now. But back then it was repent and be baptized. And baptism was identifying with Jesus. Okay, it was, you're buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in a new way of life. You identify with his death and his burial and his resurrection and the fact that he lives so that we can have new life. You're identifying with that. So that's what Peter's telling these people, he's saying, have a change of heart, have a change of direction, follow Jesus, and be baptized, identify with him, let the world know I'm a Jesus follower. And it says that they will be forgiven of their sins, and they will receive the gift, the Holy Spirit is a gift. They will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, when we trust in Jesus, Every one of us, God himself, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives inside of us. He's a gift. And how do we get a gift? We receive a gift. We don't earn it. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. We simply receive it by trusting in Jesus. And and, and he says this. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. He's speaking to thousands of people here. It says, later on, it says that 3,000 people were added to their number that day. So I don't know how many people he was speaking to, but it was thousands of people. And he says, every one of you. There wasn't one person in that crowd that was beyond the love of God. Not one. There wasn't one person in that crowd that God didn't love. And I want you to know something that today in this room, there's not one person in this room that's beyond the love of God. Not one. And you say, well, Kurt, I don't know. You don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. But I know what the Bible says. And John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that whoever, and that word means whoever, whoever would believe in him, Whoever would trust in him, whoever would turn to follow him shall not perish but have eternal life. Every one of you sitting in this room, the offer is for you. Turn to Jesus. Identify with him for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God himself will come and he'll live inside of you what a cool thought that is so not only is it just a gift it's a powerful gift so before I read this next scripture I'll set it up again Jesus Jesus's ministry on earth was 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 done he he had been crucified he he raised from the grave and he was um, uh, spent 40 days okay after he rose from the dead he spent 40 days walking around with people talking to people letting people touch him seeing that he was real he was eating with people, proving that the resurrection was, was not a hoax. And he, and he gathers his followers on the hillside and he tells them this in, Act, in Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 7 and 8. He says to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority. Right? Like he's just telling them, hey guys, I'm not going to tell you when the end is. You don't need to know all those details. Here's what you do need to know. You will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. You see, he's a, the Holy Spirit's a gift. He's a powerful gift. It says when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the neat thing about being a Christian is this. It's, it's not about the external. It's that God comes and lives inside of you and he's doing something inside of you. He's doing a great work inside of you. His power is at work inside of you. And a lot of this is week two stuff, but that's okay, Marshall can just say it again next week. The power of God, God himself, the creator of the universe, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, the one who named every star in the sky, the one who knows every hair on your head, the creator of the mountains, the creator of the oceans, the creator of the entire universe comes and lives inside of you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And it says you will receive power. And this isn't some like weird power like some people try to make it out. It's it's that you will have the power to live the life that God has called you to live. And it says you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Now, let me ask you a question. And, and, and this and, and I want you to know up front, like this isn't just me preaching to you. I, I had to preach this to myself all week long. And, and on Friday, I came up here. Nobody was in the office. I was I was alone. I was just kind of, you know, preparing the, the last parts, putting the last parts of the sermon together. And, and I, I get to this part, and I'm just like, man, I just got convicted. Like, it's just the power will come upon you when you receive the Holy Spirit. And if I'm honest with you, most of the time, my life looks like I'm just going through the motions. Right? Like, like a lot of people think the powerful Christian life, oh, that's just like for the elite Christians or something. That's not what the Bible teaches The Bible says that everyone who says yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit and his power comes to live inside of you. Does that define your life? I know most of the time it doesn't define mine, right? Like, I used to be a high school coach. I was a high school coach for eight years. I coached football, I coached soccer and just loved coaching and... One of the most frustrating things when I coach, when I used to coach was was the kid that had all the natural talent in the world. Right? If you, if you were an athlete, if you played or you, you you know these people, right? Maybe you were one of them. You had all the natural talent in the world. But just for whatever reason, you just wanted to try to make it on that natural talent. You didn't work, they didn't work they didn't work hard in the weight room. They didn't work hard at practice. They didn't put in the extra effort to be great. They were just satisfied with being normal. They were just satisfied with their ability, just their natural ability. They didn't have the drive to be great. And I think about that. Like as Christians, the power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Are we just settling? Are we just settling for, for being normal and living the normal life? Are we a powerful witness for Jesus? Is our life pointing other people to Jesus? Are we talking to our neighbors about Jesus? Are we talking to our coworkers about Jesus? Are we living in such a way that they see something different inside of us? Because there is something different inside of us, it's the Holy Spirit. It says, Power will come upon you. And so as I close, I just have a couple questions for you. For the Christians in the room. If you would say, yes, I'm a Christian. My first question for you is this. Is there something in your life? Is there something in your life or or, or things in your life that are grieving the Holy Spirit? Like, is there a habit or a hang-up or something going on in your life that you know Maybe nobody else knows about it. But you know. And it's grieving the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And my next question for you is this. Do do you see the power of God at work in your life? Do you see the power of God at work in your life? And then for anybody in the room that would say, yeah, I'm not a Christian, I just came with my neighbor, and you guys are talking about weird stuff today, so the Holy Spirit, I would ask this to you. Do you want a new life? Do you want a new life? Because like I already said, there's a God that loves you so much, that knows you, that created you, that knows everything about you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross to pay for your sin. That you could trust in him and you could have everlasting life with God the Father. Do you want a new life? The band's going to come out and they're going to sing a song. And I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, I just want to encourage you today to do some business with God. Whatever that looks like for you, I don't know. But I just want to encourage you to do that. Let me pray, and they'll come out and lead us in song.